Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Strive, Seek, Find podcast. I'm your host, Chance Whitmore. Travel is filled with surprises at the best of times. Whether it's lost luggage, whether it's schedule changes, whether it's a hundred little problems or opportunities that come at you. And that's before expectations. We always have our built-in expectations about what we're going to experience when we take a trip. And the San Diego Zoo was no exception, despite our planning. To just give you a little idea of it, before the trip, Amy read the guidebook, looked at a few websites, and I spent a lot of time on YouTube. At least a dozen YouTube videos along the way, ranging from trips for kids, how to focus your trip, because you can't see the whole zoo in one day and do it justice, to where to eat, to how to get around, to what's the best scene, to where to take your breaks, to what order to do things, where to eat, half a hundred things. Heck, I'll probably admit to watching one that shows where the best place to find a bathroom was. After all, didn't want to go in underprepared. And we had the girls do the same, especially the older two. And we talked to all three of them about what they most wanted to see. Like us, what they imagined and what they enjoyed most were two very different things. Now let's get started. For our purposes today, and in order to eat this elephant, that is to say one bite at a time, I'm going to organize this by the person involved, which is a subset of the expectation and reality, which is a boring way to say one story at a time. Before we left, A and I sat down and I showed her videos of the zoo. Her biggest request over and over for the entire trip was A, to go to the zoo, and B, to hang out with the elephants. Even while we were headed to the zoo, it was all she would chatter about, is seeing an elephant, being close to an elephant. It was a big deal in her mind. She'd really built it up. And when we first got to the zoo, the first thing we did inside the gates, based on what we'd learned, was jump the tour bus that goes around the perimeter. So we went past the elephants on the bus and heard a little bit about them. And she promptly turned to me and said, we need to get closer. We need to go back immediately. This was the most important thing on the entire trip to her. And yet, when we returned on foot to the elephants, she was more interested in the spiky death plants growing in a planter, as we call cacti around here, thanks to Tennille, than the elephants. The elephants themselves were resting in the shade too far away to impress her. And there was a crowd clustered around the training cage that made the process too remote to make a good impression on the five-year-old brain. She wasn't disappointed. Don't misunderstand. It just didn't grab her. She moved on. The expectation didn't meet up with what she had built up in her mind, so off we went. She was definitely more impressed by the gorilla eating his lunch picnic style a great big head of cabbage being munched on, and even more impressed by the red panda licking the sprinkler head after its nap. Not the animal we'd gone looking for, 
but rather the one we came across as we wandered that did something that impressed her. I honestly believe if she could have got a closer up experience, it may have been different. But the type of experience that she was dreaming of, I believe, because she hasn't said anything about it, is closer to what I might have had at five or six. Because I told her the story a year or two ago, I think, about how when I was five, maybe six, that my babysitter at the time took me to the circus. And it wasn't a big circus. But one of the things they did was allow you for a small charge to ride an elephant. Obviously very carefully scaffolded and protected after the show was over. It obviously stuck with me enough that I'm telling my kids 35 plus years later, 40 probably plus years later, about it. So she was hoping for something up close and personal that for that elephant didn't exist right now. For my middle daughter, Kay, she was hyped up once we got there to see penguins and sharks together because that's how they'd been advertised. Never mind the fact that in the Boise Zoo, she can see penguins fairly up close. But this was special because they were advertised as swimming together. She was so wound for this that nothing would do. We got done with the elephants. We had to trek across the park to get to this. And when we paused, because everybody was getting a little hangry and had a little ice cream cone, she wolfed it down and was literally pulling at people to get them to move faster. She was always one to build up and get excited about things, have herself so wound up that nothing else will do, and in turn was underwhelmed by the teeny sharks who ignored the penguins who were sunning themselves rather than swimming with them. On the other hand, her imagination was stirred by the maned wolves who were pacing through their enclosure when we drove by, and then later nowhere to be seen when we walked by. It gave her a problem to work. She was trying to figure it out because the driver immediately told us that these unique canines were not related to wolves, coyotes, or dogs, and the fact that they prefer isolation to running in a pack. It gave her imagination something to play with, especially after the driver mentioned how surprised he was that he, we were seeing three of these at the same time in the enclosure. Our oldest, who was terrified of heights, gracefully accepted the tram ride across the park, as long as it was not with me. She didn't think that was going to be a great learning experience, and enjoyed a gorgeous aerial view of Balboa Park and the zoo while holding on tight for every bump. Meanwhile, I was in the other tram, trying to make sure that the other two stayed seated as they looked over the side. While her love of heights has not improved... She has learned to cope. She was impressed by the green flamingos, which were nearly white, that strolled past us as we made our way to the exit of the zoo. She was also impressed the cost of services in the park. Initially, she wanted to get a henna tattoo. She wanted something to ever so temporarily mark the trip. And then she saw the price. Money had suddenly taken on greater meaning when she'd earned some of it on her own. 
made a big difference in how she handled her business. That was good learning for me, too. I'll be honest, Amy and I were excited to see the hippos in action. In fact, we'd watched all sorts of hippo videos showing how territorial they are and how active they were at the zoo. I read books years ago. One that came to mind was Congo, when the boats were swamped by aggressive hippos. So I had a pretty clear image in my mind of what I wanted to see. Well, we caught a glimpse of them on the bus, asleep in the corner of the tank as the bus went by. Additional walkthrough did not even yield a glimpse of them. On the other hand, we did get to watch a rhino get a, a shower which turned into a mud bath because we are trying to move on to a different part of the zoo. So I'll take that as a win. Ultimately, our intentions while we were at the zoo altered a lot. We figured we'd spend a lot more time there. We thought the girls would have more energy than we did. We thought we might go to the park and hang out in another museum. But as we all know, plans change during a journey. And part of the journey is not only just allowing how to yourself to accept these changes without frustration, but enjoy them. We covered a great deal of the zoo in our time, and much of what we found was impressive was not on our intended path. When we hopped the kangaroo bus to give the kids a break on the hills, we not only saw the rhino, but enjoyed the front window view of a double-decker bus as it careened through the, the park. While we didn't get to see another museum, and there were a lot that were on my list of things I'd like to do, we did explore more of Mission Bay than we had initially intended, and embraced a few extra hours on the water. And for my family, that was more than enough. One last note about the zoo. The San Diego Zoo has a wonderful app that you can download on your phone to help you meet your needs while you visit. Find food, bathrooms, quickest route to animals, etc. We used it quite a bit to double check what we were seeing on the map. But it is not without weakness. One of which is it doesn't have the ability to build a route around the zoo. In other words, it's great for point-by-point -point travel, not so great to build your visit. Which, because we didn't plan our route in advance, meant a lot of backtracking, both on foot and on the kangaroo bus. It's a great tool. I hope they continue to develop it. Shoutouts. I want to shout out the customer service at the zoo. One of the employees went out of her way to tell my wife that any place would fill up her water bottle, that we didn't have to buy one in the park, rather than trying to figure out how to fill it in a bathroom or go without. Oftentimes when you go to a theme park or go to any place where you're paying for these days, the game is the upsell. And she avoided that and showed kindness and professionalism, and it was greatly appreciated. Next thing was, I want to talk about the gentleman who helped us get on the bus, the double-decker, for the initial tour around the park. I asked questions because I like to ask our experts. He made sure to inform me, don't go on the top, especially if you have kids who are a little bit motion sick, or if you want kids to actually see something. Get on the lower deck, sit on the right side, because most of the best scenes are on the right side of the bus. Friendly, knowledgeable, I'm sure he had treated everyone that way, but his kindness was notable, 
because it was so unexpected. You're expecting someone getting you through line to just try to push you on through. He took a moment to have a conversation, and it made our trip infinitely better. Outstanding job, San Diego Zoo. Worth mentioning. Speaking of travel, today's worth mentioning comes from Paul Sutter of Ars Technicum. In his article, Why the Expletive Can't We Travel Back in Time? I'm going to suggest you read this one when you have a little bit of time to think on this article, because it's not tongue-in-cheek. Sutter poses the question and looks at our modern understanding of physics to explain why we can or cannot travel time. It's a fun one for me. The concept of time travel is fodder for so much fiction. Heck, I even wrote a story several years ago dealing with the concept of time itself allowing time travel but not allowing the poor main character to make changes in the timeline. It's fun to think about the possibilities. And whether it is or is not possible, it's definitely worth thinking about. That's it for this week's episode of Strive, Seek, Find. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it or leave a review. If you'd like to support the podcast or contact me with feedback, links are in the show notes. Until next time, keep seeking your own brilliant future.